as the manager, I may I may have failed. I don't know. We'll figure that out after we, we get this fixed. But right now, it's my responsibility to get this back on track, to get this delivered, to get this prototype fixed, to you know help that customer that's irate. And that mentality of taking full responsibility separates the winners from the losers. And I know that's a bold statement, but I, I, I believe that because I've watched that in, in my life and I've watched that in business, certainly watched that in politics. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome back to Management Unlocked. I am really pleased that you are here. Big news, my book, Lead Like a Pro, launched recently and it hit Amazon number one bestseller and Amazon number one new release. So you can get your copy on Amazon. You can go to my website, GerardTrainingSolutions.com and pick up a copy there. Please remember to support the show by subscribing, commenting, and sharing. Today, I am stoked to have Roger Martin with me. Roger, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Thank you for having me. I am the CEO of Thrive More Brands. Thrive More Brands is a platform company that has franchise brands underneath it. So we have Rockbox Fitness, which has 63 open locations, about 150 licenses awarded, Beamlight Sauna, which has four open locations, but we'll have over a hundred locations within the next 19 to 20 months open. We have a nutrition company underneath that as well, and we're in talks to acquire yet another franchise concept that we'll bring to, it's an overseas concept that we're going to bring to America. So uh, co-founder of the two brands that we have and 25 year corporate guy that ended up dropping the mic on corporate America back in 2017 and have been an entrepreneur ever since. That is amazing. So yeah. how many people work in, in Thrive More Brands combined? Like how big is this yeah. company? Yeah, great question. So we have 27 people in our home office here. And th- what's great about having a platform is that you can have shared services, meaning you we have th- you know three brands, about to have four. We only need one marketing department because we can have that work done by one department. We need one finance department. We need one HR department. So operationally, we have silos for each brand because they operation, you know, operationally they're run differently, but from the shared service perspective, it allows us to really bring a lot of value to the franchisees and support them in a way that you really take a bigger brand to offer the kind of support that we have because we do have a platform. So we've got 27 people and they're kind of spread across everything from franchise development, again, marketing, operations, HR, finance, and you know, a few, few executive roles. Amazing. Right on. That's yeah. really clever. That's, that's very creative. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely is uh it, it's the way to grow today. You know, everything's hyper competitive margins are, are squeezed. So when you can have those shared services, you can punch it, a, you know, punch above your weight, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you for, for that overview. Um, I was you curious. So you great. Well, today, you and I are going to chat about trust and incentives and rewards. So I, I have a few questions for you, and the, we'll veer around you know, as, as we chat, and we'll kind of dig deep Love on it. a few things. Yeah. Cool. So my first question is about imposter syndrome. Now, by now, everybody listening has heard of imposter syndrome. I would guess that most of us have imposter syndrome or have had it. So what are your tips to overcome it? Because I've, I've heard from lots of different people about imposter syndrome. I have had a bad case of it when I worked at Apple. That's a, that's a scary place to work if you're a little sure. insecure. So 
what what are your tips for overcoming imposter syndrome? Mm. You know, if you don't have imposter syndrome, you're probably not growing, right? Like you're not growing as a professional or even as a human being. My son is 20 years old and I'm a 22-year-old daughter, 20-year-old son, and my son is out in Los Angeles pursuing a music career. And it, it's funny, I'm glad you brought this up because just recently he said, Dad, I, I have imposter syndrome. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make it in the music business out here and I'm hanging around all these people that already, you know, have millions of subscribers and, and you know, their music's being played on the radio and, you know, I'm just trying to make it. And I said, that's good. That means you're hanging around the people that you're trying to be like and you should feel uncomfortable because if you're comfortable, then you're, you're not growing. So I, I would caveat, I, I share that because that's important for people to know that it's okay to feel like, wow, I'm, I'm in over my head. Maybe I don't belong. I'm a fake. Everybody's going to find me out. Know that every single person on the planet that is growing, that is trying a new role, you know, they're, they're either becoming a manager for the first time, a leader for the first time. Maybe they're stepping into that CEO role for the first time. Cause you know, you, you, at some point you've got to, it's your first day in any job. It's your first day. And you know, maybe you're starting your bi- a business on your own and, and you're not sure if you're, if your skills are really worth what you want to charge for them, which by the way, they always are, you, you're going to feel that way. And, and I would say that there's probably not, I guess as, as I've gotten older and a little wiser, a little more, you know, a lot more gray hair now, I don't have it as much as I used to, but man, I, you know, first 20 years of my career, all the time. You know, who am I to be telling these people what to do? Who am I to be giving, you know, direction? Who am I to be setting strategy that affects, you know, in some positions I had hundreds or at some point thousands of jobs. It's because somebody has to, to, to walk in those shoes, so why not you? Somebody has to walk in those shoes, so why not you? And we always think it should be somebody else. No, it should be you. But But feel confident going into it that, you are not feeling any different, any more inadequate than the next guy or gal that would step into that role. And I'm sure if I took over a company, you know, with 5,000 employees, or I stepped into a, a role in, in, in Apple, I'd be intimidated as well. And I would go right back into that feeling of imposter syndrome because it'd be very, very new for me. I've been doing what I'm doing for a while. So you get comfortable with that, but any new role, you're going to feel that way. And man, I would, I would, I would encourage your listeners to step towards that. Don't, don't run from that. Um, it's like anxiety, right? When, when, if you try to, if you try to run from your anxiety, it gets worse. You need to step into it and say, okay, why am I anxious? What am I, what is the worst that could go wrong here? And imposter syndrome is the same way. It's okay. What, what do I have a fear of being found out about? Well, you know, maybe it's, and I don't know as much about marketing as I, as I'm supposed to. Okay. Now you know what your goal is. Go buy every marketing book you can find, listen to every marketing podcast you can listen to and understand that you will get there. But yeah, you're going to feel a little inadequate till you get there, which is absolutely normal. And there's not a CEO, a leader, a president of a, of a country that hasn't felt that way. And, and yeah, I, I can go on forever about that because I just, I believe that, you know, people sell themselves short in their own brain and have this crazy conversation because I've had it in, in my own head that, you know, can drive, drive you nuts, but it, it's so expected. And if you don't ever feel it, man, are you really growing? Are you really stepping outside of your comfort zone? I love that. I absolutely love the way you frame that. I just, I had a, a, a touch of it today. I'm, I'm looking at rebranding some, a slide deck for a, for a client. 
And my designer came back and said, oh, well, this is going to take, you know, several hours to do. And I did the math in my head and I'm like, I can't charge them for that. Like, they're not going to pay for that. And, you know, it took me a couple of minutes to go through it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, what value are you providing? By, by doing this for them and providing them with an excellent service and an excellent product, what are they getting? They're probably getting more than their money's worth. Yep. So relax. Yeah. So it, it yeah, it, it happens all the time. Yeah. And over just little things. Absolutely. And it and it cycles in and out. And I, I believe that if again, if the listeners can embrace that, and it's not comfortable. I'm not saying that you should be super comfortable in that because we're not when we're anxious, but just embrace the fact that it's normal, which means you're okay. And and other people that are standing right next to you may be feeling the exact same way. Yeah, I just that's a that's a great message. I appreciate that. So I personally appreciate it. I know my listeners will appreciate it. And just just feeling like, okay, you know what? That's just a sign that you're growing. It's like it's like muscles when you work out in the gym and they hurt a little bit. Your muscles are growing. You're you're getting getting stronger. You're getting better. You're getting fitter. Great example. Great example. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, let's move into interviewing. So interviewing is something that's important for for all businesses, large and small. My favorite flavor of interviewing is behavioral interviewing, but I want to see what you think about competency-selective interviewing tactics and how that contrasts with just using your gut feeling. Mm, Great question. And, you know, I I would liken behavioral interviewing with competency selection interviewing. So, you know, same same process, a different name, and you are are talking to the world's biggest fan of that process. I mandate that my entire team here use competency selection interviewing. We have identified the traits and, and for you know people that aren't super familiar with that, competency selection interviewing, you are interviewing for traits and characteristics of a person and behaviors that they have demonstrated in the past, not experience. And it's funny, I made a social, uh, a, a social media post on this and it got a lot of attention because I think so often as an interviewing manager, we're looking for people with experience and I can't go wrong if I hire somebody with experience. Well, it could be the same year of experience just duplicated 10 years in a row. So they really only have one year of experience. You're having to pay for 10 years you know, on their resume, yeah. but they got one year of experience. What, what we want to find when you're interviewing somebody is you want to find, did they demonstrate the behaviors that you're looking for in the role that you're hiring for in a previous role. And so many, I don't, I don't know why this isn't taught in colleges, why it's not taught in business schools and, and even high school, but we don't teach people how to interview. Sometimes there are courses on how to be an interviewee, mm-hmm. but never how to actually interview unless you go you know, find, pay for it and find it on your own. And it's such an important skill because that's how you build a team. So I am uh, huge on one, identifying the traits. So if there's a set process to this, a framework, it's identifying the traits that you're looking for. So let's talk about that. That'd be like, maybe for a sales role, innovative problem solving, persuasion, influence, teamwork and collaboration, because salesperson never sells on their own. There's always a team involved. Collaborative communication, whatever that may be. You're gonna have in your role these specific traits. Then you have an interview guide that is going to uh, have them give examples of how they've done that in the past and demonstrate that behavior. And of course you don't say, Tell me about a time that you were innovative and solved the problem because that's going to give them, you know, it's going to lead them to the answer. But just by asking these open-ended questions and then asking deeper, well, tell me more about that. Well, then what happened? 
Well, what did he say? How did you respond? And why were you thinking that? They'll open up and, and share that, you know, did they really do what they were saying that, they, that they've accomplished? Or are they kind of fabricating the story? People that have granular details, they were actually there. They did it. Mm-hmm. They were driving mm-hmm. the process. When things are generalized and they, they, they glaze over things or they can't fill in all the details, they can't tell you what color shirt the guy was wearing or, you know, that the woman was drinking a coffee, you know, while she, because they weren't there. They, you know, this is fabricated. And not that people are fabricating all their interviews, but it's just when you start to dig deep, you realize maybe they were on the team that accomplished this, but they weren't really driving that team. They really weren't driving that process. They were just on the team and they were kind of on the ship, but not driving the ship. So company selection interviewing is going to, to, to really root out that very, very quickly. And you want to hire for traits not experience. If somebody has those traits and the experience and the wisdom that comes with experience, that's great, home run. But give me somebody with the traits because you can't teach hard work or work ethic. You know, you, you can't teach empathy. You know, these these are very. You know, I shouldn't say you can't. They're they're very challenging. And I think in that post I made, I said, you know, you can't put in what God left out. So if there's a, I'm hiring a 35 year old woman. I'm probably not going to change her a lot. You know, I can teach her skills. Selling's a skill, management's a skill, leadership's a skill, but I can't teach her how to have more empathy. I, I can't, I don't have the skills that, you know, I, I can't teach her how to have a better work ethic. Those are innate qualities and traits. And I want to look, you know, there's 7 billion people on this planet. I'm sure I can find somebody in my local area that, that has those traits. I don't have to settle for, for less than that. Yeah, I, I, I think that we're on the same page with, with the mechanism of behavioral interviewing. I would push back just a little bit on not being able to mm-hmm. teach empathy because I think it is something that you can learn. It's not easy, like you said. It's not, yeah. it's not as easy as learning how to interview, which, is, which can be learned fairly quickly. I can teach it in mm-hmm. two hours. But empathy is one of those things that, you know, if you're not naturally empathetic, you can put yourself in situations to expose yourself to more and more so that you start to walk in other people's shoes. But it has to be very intentional and you've got to be patient. You can't force it. Yep. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and, and the person, you know, they got to want to change, right? They, they have to want to, to have that behavioral change for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in today's world with, with AI just exploding, I think the thing that's going to differentiate us as managers or an AI, a bot managing us in the next three to five years is going to be our humanness. I don't, I don't think that AI is ever going to be able to out-human a human. And so I yep. think that, that managers are going to need to really step up their humanity uh, in order to get the best out of their teams. And, and I, think, I think you can interview and select for that. Yeah, yeah. I just saw some quote. I love it. Um, AI is not going to steal your job. A human being using AI is going to steal your job. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's... It, it, like AI is a tool. It's powerful. It, you know, embrace again, let's, let's embrace it. Let's, let's walk toward it. Um, but you're right that the, the, the human beings that are human beings and act like human beings that also harness the power of that tool, they'll be 50 steps ahead of everybody else. Absolutely. All right. Well, my, my last formal question for you is about failure. Specifically, how does a manager deal with fa- failure? Not necessarily that it's their fault, but it's their responsibility. Something happened on their team and the team did not deliver on time or did not deliver to spec, for example. Or, or maybe you want to answer it this way, where, where the manager actually did screw up 
and and made a mistake. You know, as a leader and as a manager, how do you handle that? Yeah, you just spoke to our mantra here at Thrive More Brands. Uh, it's it may not be my fault, but it's my responsibility, and that that separates that that whole victim mentality of you know, well, it's not my fault and somebody else should do that. And that's, you know, can't blame me, uh, which unfortunately is being championed, I think in, in our society and a lot of, a lot of parts of the world, you know, that that'll get you nowhere and it's a destructive behavior. So when instead, when you replace that with, you know what, I don't know whose fault it is and, and we can figure that out later, but right now we have an issue. Something failed, something broke, somebody failed as the manager. I may, I may have failed. I don't know when we'll figure that out after we, we, we get this fixed. But right now it's my responsibility to get this back on track, to get this delivered, to get this prototype fixed, to, you know, help that customer that's irate. And that mentality of taking full responsibility separates the winners from the losers. And I know that's a bold statement, but I, I, I believe that because I've watched that in, in my life and I've watched that in business, certainly watched that in politics, that those who will just step up and say, I'm going to own this. It's my responsibility. It's, it, it, maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's not. Um, and if it is my fault, I take full ownership for that. I'll, you know, whatever it, it, it allows people to move so much faster and they're, they're moving at the speed of trust. They're moving at the speed of trust. And because you as a leader say, Hey, I, I screwed up. I failed. I, I messed up. And I actually need your help to get this back on track. Will you help me get this back on track? You've just shown vulnerability to your team. And of course it needs to be authentic and genuine, but you've shown vulnerability that your team realizes, wow, this person's human. It's okay to fail. And when you fail, you just then figure out how to fix it. My leader, my manager just demonstrated that in, in real life. Uh, and so we handle that here. Like, you know, we've got a saying, if you're going to fail, then just hurry up and get it done. Like just, you know, rush to failure so we can figure out what doesn't work. And then we'll start testing other things until we figure out what does work. But I, I, I uh, on a podcast I have, I, I interviewed an, an ex athlete who actually played with Michael Jordan of, of all people at UNC and then later went on to coach uh, uh, Chapel Hill and you know, he said something that was so profound. He's like, the reason there's so many former athletes that are great at business, and not every former athlete's great, but, but a lot of them are really good at business, is because they've learned to fail. Failure is part of sports. You're gonna, not gonna make every shot. You're not gonna make every throw or pass or kick. And you're not gonna win every game. You're gonna lose, you're gonna fail. And that's expected, and you realize, okay, now it's time to go back to the wood shop, practice, figure out what we did wrong, let's you know, let's practice this and practice this and practice this till we not not only till we can not you know till we get it right, but till we can't get it wrong, we keep practicing. And failure is part of the iteration process of getting better. And for some silly reason in business, especially in big companies, when you fail, you get put in a box and you're labeled. When instead you should be if you accept the responsibility, you should be championed. This guy, this gal tried. They put everything into it and they figured out which way doesn't work. And now they quickly correct course corrected and we're going in a different direction. But my experience 25 years in, in, in corporate America, when there was a failure, you just watch people step away from it, like distance themselves as fast as they could because it was a blame game. And the one thing I won't allow in our company is the blame game. Like 
Now, well, she didn't do that. Like that's, that's not the point right now. The point is how do we fix this? Then we can manage the person that maybe made a human error. Maybe they made a stupid decision. I mean, maybe it was, a, it was a dumb decision. There are such things as dumb, you know, dumb questions, dumb, dumb decisions. But that person then, you know, are they willing to learn from that? And I, I just think we spend so much time on ascribing blame versus, okay, whatever. Some, you know, somebody made a mistake and we're going to deal with that. And obviously, if somebody keeps making the same mistake, that's a, that's a hiring issue. If somebody continually makes mistakes... That, that should be avoided, that's another issue too. But the average person wants to win. Your average employee wants to win. They're not trying to, to, to firebomb your business. You know, The average person wants to go home and say, hey honey, I had a great day at work today. I accomplished X. They're not trying to, 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 to suck. They, they, want to, they want to be good. So give them the opportunity to accept the responsibility, not get put in the penalty box, and get entrusted, entrusted with another opportunity. And the people that are going to be your superstars, you're going to watch them take more risk and more risk, calculated risk, but more risk and lift your business up because they're willing to put themselves out there. If you penalize that, you're going to get mediocre ideas that are you know, risk-free, but also very low reward, if, if not no reward. And trusted. Yep. I love that. Yeah. And I think the whole idea of, of vulnerability in leadership is very important. You know, my dad grew up in, a, in an era where you could not be vulnerable at work. You could not be wrong. You could not screw up. You couldn't show weakness. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of crossed over into the way he, he ran the house as well. So, you know, in this generation, I'm trying really hard to let my kids know, you know what? It's okay for you to make a mistake. It's okay for me to make a mistake. It's not okay to keep making the same mistake over and over and over and over yeah. and over. But you know what? You know, we're all going to fall down. We're all going to goof. So get up, dust yourself off and give it a shot. Yeah. And, you know, my team is really, really seasoned. So it's very rare that they do make a, do make a mistake. But when they do, it's like, okay, so what are we going to do to fix it? And we yep. just move on and we don't dwell on it. It, it helps a lot. It helps building trust in the team. I'm safe here. I'm psych- psychologically safe. This is okay. This is an okay place for me to be. And so most of my, most of my team have been with me for years. I love that. But I just have to dovetail on you, what you said about being a parent and just borrow your words, psychologically safe. The home should be a, obvious, obviously a physically safe, but, but a psychologically safe place for children. And when they feel that they're safe and that they can make mistakes and grow. And when dad yells at them, Lord knows I made a a lot of mistakes as a parent, but I I am proud that when I would, I would literally sit my, you know, one of my children or both my kids down and say, I got really upset and I yelled at you and I didn't ask for context. I don't even know what happened. I walked in from work and this was, you know, so I apologize for the way I handled that. Tell me what happened. What, how do we end up here? How did, you know, what, why was mom upset and what was going on? Just saying as a parent, hey, look, I, I mishandled that. I was, you know, I mishandled that. So let's, let me just own that. Now let's, let's, let's have a conversation about what's going on. And you, there may be some consequences for, for your actions. So I'm not saying you're, you're getting out of jail free, but let's have a calm discussion around this. But, but I was wrong by the way I handled that. It just disarms the, the situation. So if, if any of your listeners are, are parents, you can practice your leadership skills that you're going to use at work to make a lot of money. You can practice those at home and have an even better, more harmonious home life at the same time. And this, this all works together. Yeah. The, the two most powerful words I know lately are, I'm sorry. Yeah. And just shut up. Just 
I'm sorry. Don't throw a butt in there or anything else. Just, I'm sorry. All right. Well, let's, let's turn the focus to you and talk a little bit about your company. So, so tell us more about what Thrive More Brands is and what are the different franchise brands you have in that platform? Yeah. uh, Thanks for asking. So um, Rockbox Fitness was our first brand. I co-founded that back in 2017. That's a boxing for fitness studio. So think group fitness. You've got an instructor on a mic, lights that change color, you know, more of a nightclub feel, but you're you're boxing, uh, hitting bags. We don't box each other, so nobody gets punched in the face at Rockbox. Uh, but you know, you're, you're, it's boxing and kickboxing. And then behind that, um, so picture that's half the studio uh, where you're working out. Behind that is a full functional strength studio. So functional strength is just a, a fancy word for dumbbells, kettlebells, battle ropes, TRX, you know, jump boxes, things that don't have moving parts and you're, you're literally building core strength and, and strength that you would use to pick up a box and put it over your head into a, into a, you know, a, a closet or something. Um, it's not just doing, you know, d- you know, uh, bench press or, or leg press. Um, everything we have is, is built around how you'll need functional strength in your life and in your daily work. So boxing, kickboxing burns a ton of calories, a lot of fun and gets you in great shape. And then the, the functional side, the other half of the workout is going to be you know, lifting, pushing, pulling things and uh, real fun, you know, all music's blaring. The, the instructor's very uh, motivational and, and calling out the boxing combos and all that. So uh, it's a very structured format, highly effective. And when we founded Rockbox, our whole goal was to fix what's wrong with people quitting on their, their fitness plan. And that's because they get bored. You know, they, they go to the same place and they get on the treadmill and then they go do a few machines and they go home and then they get bored of doing that and they quit which doesn't help them. And so we really worked hard to make it a really fun, engaging program that you can do for a long, long time, never do the same workout twice and, and build some, some life skills around uh, self-defense and, 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 and protecting yourself, but also, you know, lose, lose that stubborn fat and put on some lean muscle and, and make a lot of friends. It's really, it's community based. So I love that concept. And then the second concept that we, we started in 2021, started franchising in 2022 is called beam light sauna. Beam is an infrared sauna studio. So let's say you finish your workout and you want to recover faster or you have uh, some excess weight you're trying to lose. Um, you want to detox, you know, get, get some of the impurities that are in our food and water supply out. You can go to Beam Light Sauna, buy a membership, and then you have a private room with a private infrared, infrared sauna, full spectrum, near, mid, and far infrared sauna uh, that you'll spend 40 minutes in. We have iPads that you can use while you're in there so you can watch Netflix or listen to your podcast while you're in there and, and uh, just relax and, and de-stress. Um, but also, you know, if you've seen anything in the lay press now from athletes to celebrities to, you know, biohackers, you know, infrared sauna is one of, one of the, the best ways to recover, to, you know, get the toxins out of your body, obviously lower your stress level it, it boosts your immunity, your immune system. There's so there's myriad benefits to it. And they've, they've, they've known that in the medical community for a long time, but it's now really coming into the lay press and, and, and celebrities of course are starting to endorse using it and athletes as well. Um, so we have, you know, these studios are 1500 square foot footprints and you come in, you book through an app and uh, on a membership basis and, and you come in and you, everything's provided for you, towel service, everything, other showers on site if you choose the shower afterwards. So a great, great brand. And it's, it's taking off like a rocket. Beam light sauna is exceeding every, every expectation I had for that brand. And so 
we have a third uh, franchise brand that I, I can't say yet because we're in the due diligence phase right now. We have a signed LOI, but super excited about that one too. And again, it's still in that health and wellness space. And uh, that, that's, that's where Thrive More, which is really just a parent company. Uh, there's no, there's no product or anything for Thrive More. It's, it's a holding company for the brands. And we just want to focus on health and wellness and, and meet people where they're at. So if it's fitness, we want to meet people where, you know, they're bored with their regular routine. They're looking for something. They've tried diets. They've tried personal trainers, haven't gotten the results they want. Rockbox helps them. And then people that are looking to recover, they're looking to improve their health improve their skincare, you know, this is where Beam Light Sauna comes in. So they're complementary. So what you'll find is we'll never have competing brands, but we will always have complementary brands where we go after the same avatar. So if somebody chooses to be a multi-unit, multi-brand owner with us, they could actually, you know, buy franchise licenses for different brands that we have and operate those literally in the same strip mall if they chose to, because they, they complement each other, never compete. Nice. That's pretty, yeah. that's like a puzzle. It's like an interlocking puzzle. That's, that's business, right? That's the, the interlocking puzzle of business. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Great. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So thank you very much for being here, Roger. Definitely enjoyed our conversation. How can people find you if they want to follow up? Yeah, great. Thank you. They can follow me on any of the socials at Real Roger Martin. That's just R-O-G-E-R, no D in there. So Real Roger Martin on any of the socials. They can also go to thrivemorebrands.com. I'll put together Thrive More Brands, and that's going to show the brands that we have. If you have a, a concept, a single or, or you know two or three unit concept that you have that you want to franchise and you're exploring that, uh, we'd love to talk, talk to you about that if it's in the health and wellness space. And, and then on there, we have other resources too about franchising and, uh, you know, really just building your business. So real Roger Martin or thrivemore.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Pick up my new book, Lead Like a Pro, The Essential Guide for New Managers, available on Amazon and my website, gerardtrainingsolutions.com. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. 